Well, oh, there we go. Yeah, I actually give Hannah the wrong dates for iHeart. Uh, on the drive down this morning, I was like, yeah, it'd be good to, because a couple of people have been asking me for dates for the summer just because you know, you know you're all booking your annual leave, right? So you got to book your annual leave to come on your holiday to iHeart and, and serve, right? So it's actually not the 17th to the 21st, it's the 24th to the 28th. So Monday the 24th, all right? Monday the 24th to um, Friday the 28th. So that was just a wee trick in the, the will of God just to get us um, the memories, okay? So Monday the 24th, okay? So I had a few people text me already, literally from there to there. Have the dates changed? What's going on? I've, you know, so um, yeah. Actually, it's come up my iPad too. Uh, anyways, look, why don't you turn around and say hello to the people next to you, say, you're looking great this morning, <coughs> spring is coming, you're all very welcome, <coughs> good to see you all anyway, so you're very, very welcome, I know it's, uh, life's getting busier, the, the days are starting to stretch in the evenings, is it just me, is anybody noticing? That it's, you know, like, we're all like, yes, you know. Um, I, I know, it's so good. Isn't it? It's amazing how about a light can just, I don't know, set you up. So we're just going to fill more into the days. You know, I think sometimes in the, in the winter months, you, you can't really fill, fit as much in because it's dark. So um, the, the lawnmowers and the strimmers are already going. I'm pretty sure we've heard someone cutting down trees at like 8 o'clock at night around our way. So we're thinking, what's going on? So um, anyway, so you're, you're very welcome. Look, this morning we are starting a new series on the MI, okay? So it's building for the future. And as you can see, um, just in some of these wee cards in terms of the, the building campaign and so on coming around, um, it's building for the future as well. So that's where um, that's coming from. So we are going to start that if you want to go to Nehemiah in your Bibles, just to let you know it's in the, the Old Testament, all right? So if you're looking to find out where it is, um, you, you, can, you can go find that. Um, but I just want to say, if you are here today and, you know, you're the best at everything, if you're here and you're, you're good at everything, you are the fastest runner in every race, you are the smartest person in every classroom that you've been in, the most skilled artist in every room that you go to, I want to tell you, okay, from the bottom of my heart, God still wants to use you, okay? All right? He still, even though you're good at everything, he still wants to use you. I'll tell you why. Because God actually, throughout Scripture, we see specializes in using ordinary people to do his good work. Think about it, you know, Jesus and his 12 nobodies. He did something that made them somebodies. Gideon and his 300 men that we've looked at. And we'll see then Nehemiah with the discouraged remnant left in Jerusalem. All ordinary people to do an extraordinary work. And actually this, this message series, this sermon series over the next... Um, over the next coming month is, is for those of us, for those of you who feel like you are created for something more, that you, you've been born for something more. Maybe you know it or maybe you don't know it, but there's something on the inside of you that even though you look at yourself and you go, I'm so ordinary, I'm an everyday person. How could God use me? That this message series is for you. It's also in the lead up to um, the next season that we're heading into as well, that you've heard through Vision Sundays and different things. And you'll hear a bit more as the week goes on, okay? Because I believe over the next number of weeks that God, if you let him, if you let him take you on this journey, will speak directly into your life to give you the faith to step into something that outlasts you. That God, if you're open to hearing from him, all right, 
Because remember, God doesn't speak to busybody people that just go about zooming and zooming all day long and then never stop to listen. But over the next couple of weeks, that God wants to speak to you directly about stepping into something that outlasts you. Because I know a lot of you here go, well, I couldn't possibly do that. I couldn't be someone. That's how you sound like to me. <laughs> That's how I sound to Hannah. <laughs> right, all the men in the room. <laughs> couple of wives laughing there, I can hear that, yeah. You see, a lot of you will, will go, I don't really know if I believe that. And, but if, like I said, you let God take on a journey with this next number of weeks, that he will begin to speak, you, speak to your heart just like he did to Nehemiah, which we'll begin to see, okay? Now, I have to warn you, right? That if you begin to be open to that, if you begin to be responding to that, it will come at a cost, okay? It will come to you at a cost. That you will have to leave the things that are comfortable. You will have to face discouragement from people or people that don't approve of what he's asking you to do. You have to deal with doubts of pain, rejection, loneliness from time to time, and also bouts of failure now and again. These are things that we'll begin to see in the story of Nehemiah, right? So who is Nehemiah? Well, a bit of context, all right, if you don't know, is the story of Nehemiah takes about 50 years after um, Jerusalem and its temple was destroyed by, by the Babylonians. And that's something that Jeremiah looks at. But it was in this story that um, all the people, of, well, most of the people of God were taken into exile into to Persia or what they think is modern-day Iraq, all right? And Nehemiah was born in Babylon, and it happened to be the cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes, okay? Now, you may be going, what's a cupbearer? Yes, they get the whole the shiny cup, all right? But actually, a cupbearer was a trusted role. It'd be a bit like a, a personal waiter or, or someone who is is, you know, yeah, someone who's a personal waiter is probably the better way to put it. Because not only was it a trusted role that they were in close proximity to the king and his conversations, but this was also at a time when there was kingdoms and there were people trying to overthrow kingdoms and the rulers and trying to, um, to oust kings and through many, many ways. And the cupbearer was someone who would have taken the, the cup of the king, the wine of the king, and he would have drank it before the, the king drank it to make sure that it wasn't poisoned, all right? Now, that's a job that you need to have good life insurance in, all right? But Nehemiah, in this trusty role, he was also in a position that he had to give his life for someone else. And it's a position that Nehemiah found himself in that we then begin to read in the story that he had heard um, that the city walls lay in ruins, that the people that he belonged to were scattered and discouraged. And it's in this moment and in this position, in this place, of his life, that he felt that God comp compelled him to go back and to do something. Now, I want to say, I don't know if any of you read lately, I think I maybe touched on it before, but the latest UK census has revealed that less than, for the first time in, you know, a long time, is that the UK population have less than 50%, in fact, I think it was like 46% of the population that professed to have a personal relationship in Jesus. In fact, if you're anything about, you know, generations, Gen Z, it said, they have now believed that church is so irrelevant or no help to their current life that two-thirds are leaving the church by their late teens. And they say that actually only up to one-third then begin to return in later stages of life. I think it's fair to say that the spiritual state of current culture is either lying in ruins or lying unused. Now, Throughout the Old Testament, throughout Scripture, and even in the um, Nehemiah situation, we see that God made three promises. 
that God's people would receive a deliverer and a helper in Jesus, a Messiah in other words, that, God's peop- that he would bring God's people back to his place of temple and worship, in other words, his presence, and that God's kingdom would continue to sp- spread throughout the nation. And we have to know that the same promise that God made in Nehemiah's situation is the same promise as in ours. How many knew that? Okay. You can read that stat and go, well, that was a bit, a bit depressing to set up the sermon series. But the same promises that God has in Nehemiah's situation is the same for ours. Because we can look at that trend and go, oh, this is a fallen stat. And we can go into a bit of hopelessness and despair and a bit introspective thinking and get a bit worried. But we can also then look at that and begin to have the faith to know that this is not the legacy for our community. How many know that? That the falling trend that we begin to, regardless of what the stats say, that falling trend is not the legacy for the community that we, we, we belong to. And that's why I believe, like Nehemiah, you and I are called by God, God to build a legacy. That all of you in this room are legacy builders. Now some of you may be thinking, go on. Oh, yeah. Some of you actually are, that's the face that you have when you look at me. But like Nehemiah, you and I are called to build something that outlasts us to leave a legacy, to build a legacy, and to see that happen in our community. So the first thing is, if you're taking notes, okay, well, I ask you this, who here wants to be a legacy builder? Okay, that's only about 60%. I'm going to ask you again, okay, who here wants to leave a legacy? Okay, well, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes along and see those who didn't have the hand up, I'm going to poke the back of you, okay? For those of you who want to learn how to be a legacy leaver, okay, is the first one is this, legacy builders sit down and weep. Legacy builders sit down and weep. We read in Nehemiah 1 to 3 to 4, it says this, the remaining survivors who are left from captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates are burned with fire. So it was when I, Nehemiah, heard these words that I sat down and wept. And I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I don't know if you ever find yourself sitting at home, particularly obviously the the nights are getting a bit brighter, but particularly the past, uh, you know, during the the winter time. If anybody's ever found themselves at home watching either your favorite TV show, something on Netflix, and you're you're at home wrapped up in your your house coat or your your dressing gown or whatever you want to call it, and you're you're eating your comfort foods. Anybody anybody been doing that? Yeah, where we're just you know somebody don't want to admit it because you feel like I'm going to poke at it, right? So um, we all do that, all right? We sit home and you're you're eating your favorite food. Sometimes if you you really love a show and you're on a on a roll that you, you eat your dinner in the living room and you're all of a sudden you're eating it all right, and you're watching TV and then all of a sudden an advert comes on for food poverty. And you just feel really guilty. Ever happened to anybody where you're like, oh, right? Oh, nobody here would do that, right? You're all phoning up and giving all your money away, right? No. And then what you do is you pretend to flick the channel because you're looking for something else, but really you're just looking to avoid it, right? You laugh because it's true. You see, when Nehemiah saw when something was broken, he couldn't take it anymore. See, what has happened, and I believe, and I speak to myself for this, okay, is we've become so accustomed to the comforts that we have that we become desensitized to the brokenness around us. I'm able to watch war movies and and things, guts being spilled everywhere, and Hannah's like, I can't watch that. I've just become so desensitized to, to movies, right? But the problem is we can think, well, you know what, those people, they're 
they're really far. Those people we see on the average, that, that's way beyond my context. You know, those people, they're not my life, so it's not really my problem, right? Those are the thoughts that we go through when we justify flicking the channel, right? But we have to ask, are we not bothered that people in our community, that less than 50% of people in our communities no longer want to follow Jesus? Are we not bothered that the next generation see church as irrelevant and outdated? Are we not bothered that they don't know the one who came and died for them and who created them? What about the kids in the youth ministries? You see, all of us, we say, been there, done that, wear the t-shirt. I'll leave that to them. But are we not willing to invest in the next generation and their futures? See, oftentimes, when we get desensitized, when we desensitize ourselves of the problem, we also detach ourselves from being responsible for the problem also. I'll say that again. When we desensitize ourselves to the problem, we also begin to detach ourselves from being responsible for the problem. See, verse 6 says, Nehemiah confessed the sins. Listen to this. Nehemiah confessed the sins of himself and the children of Israel. What's interesting about that, you see, is because it was at a time when the people of God, they saw themselves, actually just the, the, the wider community in general, they saw themselves as part of tribes and community groups. That whenever a group reaped the harvest, then all were blessed and benefited. But also when the group went astray, well then all were responsible for going astray. Because we now live in a society that's so individualistic in nature that we begin to remove ourselves for having responsibility for the brokenness of the community around us. I'm not saying that you're responsible for the sins of another in terms of you gotta go to jail, right? Well, in fairness, when you look at what Christ did, that was unconditional love. But we have to look at the brokenness in our community as our problem. What I loved is, now it was before my day, obviously, because I, you know, I was a, a wee babe then, but I remember you know, hearing even testimonies of people in this, story, in, in this room where during the troubles, they were part of youth groups and community groups and churches that prayed for this land. That when troubles broke out, when violence broke out, they set themselves to fasting and praying because they were praying that God would forgive us of our sins and heal this land. And we began to look at the testimonies and the stories of what God done out of that. Because how many know the health of our community is our problem? Let me say that again. How many of you know that the health of this community is your problem and it should be your concern? And that the faith of the generations coming after us should be our concern. Whether we like it or not, there are people. These are our people. Because I believe that what Nehemiah begins to show us is that when we have an attitude of prayer, it's only then can the people taste the altitude of heaven. That when we come to God in an attitude of prayer and repentance, that something happens in an environment, something happens in an individual and a collection of individuals, that they begin to then taste the altitude of heaven. That his kingdom comes. Because the second thing is this, that legacy builders take ownership. We read that Nehemiah, when he was speaking to the king, he prayed to God and said, look, God, send me to Judah. Send me to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. God is looking for people who will take ownership. Because legacy leaders don't just sit around waiting for somebody else to do the job. Waiting around thinking that someone else is going to take responsibility and do the work. 
In fact, legacy leavers, they decide, you know, no matter where the journey takes me, I will respond to the call. I was wondering, uh, David, if you could stick up the, the photo. I was, this week, anybody heard of the song, you know, I will walk 500 miles, right? You know, from the Proclaimers. Anybody, you know, you sing it all your weddings, you go, you know, and da 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 right? I'm not going to sing it because I really don't want to empty the church, but um, I've seen this graphic. Just it's a, It says here, this is a handy chart showing you how far the Proclaimers would walk just to be with the one they want to wake up next to. And it's really interesting, if this is the UK, 500 miles, you know, for the first bit is to Germany, to France, to, you know, well, somewhere in the middle of the ocean, if that's the other direction. And then another 500 miles, if you're really interested, is to Poland. We sit down to Austria, right down to Spain. Some people want to go to Italy for a holiday. You can walk that far, right up to, to Iceland, if you want to leave from the direction of the North Coast. Just if you ever had a, you know, uh, an intrigue um, of, of how, how far the, the proclaimers would walk. What was really interesting, just leave that up for a second, just for illustration. What was really interesting was Nehemiah was roughly um, around 1,000 miles. When he, was in, when he heard the news of, of the, the city of walls were in ruins and, and the people were scattered and he was serving the king, he was around 1,000 miles away from the ruins in Jerusalem. Now you look at that, it's about from the UK to, let's just put it actually give or take, it's about the distance between the UK and the front lines in Ukraine. Interesting. You see, it would have been very easy for Nehemiah to say, do you know what? That's someone else's job. I mean, I wasn't lining up to get inscripted to go fight in Ukraine. You see, none of, you know, we, it's easy for us when we're way disconnected like that to say, do you know what? See, see those people, that's their, that's their responsibility. And also, Nehemiah was born in, in Babylon. He was born at those times. We don't know roughly his age, but it actually begins to say, he could have said, you know, see the people that got us into this mess? That's their problem. Those who got us in the exile, those who, who weren't around to defend the walls, well, do you know what? That's, that's their problem. See, sometimes we must be willing to pay the price of going the distance in order to build a lasting legacy. I want to ask, are you willing to go the distance with God this morning? When God calls us to go the distance, we're putting our hands to building something that outlasts us. And I really believe that's what God's calling us to do in this next season. That we would build something that outlasts us. That he would take ordinary people like you and me to do something extraordinary that would change the legacy of our community. I want to ask, is that what's burning in your heart? Is that something that you would allow to burn in your heart? Because in order to do this, we have to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit to do something so deep on the inside of us that it gives us that holy burden that Nehemiah had. That when he was in his spaces of comfort, as he was close to the king of influence and power, that he, would, he allowed the Holy Spirit to interject his life and his heart. To give him a holy burden to the point where he couldn't, he couldn't just do his job anymore. In fact, as you begin to read the story, the king was like, why such a long face? You ever seen anybody with like a space, like a lurking spade, as they say? That's what Nehemiah would have had. Well, maybe not like that. It was more, well, could have been. We have to be willing to allow God to do a holy work on us, to give us a holy burden 
for our communities to the point where he go, we go on to say what Nehemiah says, says, here I am, send me, Lord. That we, would, we choose to no longer flick the channel to avoid the state that our community is actually in. But that we decide that we will move into action. It's because when we decide to move into action, that we then begin to open ourselves up to God's favor. If you go and read the story when you get time, but you'll begin to see that when Nehemiah decided he was going to go, when he made that decision to get up and do the work and to head on that journey, regardless of the, the distance. Remember, they didn't have airplanes back then. They didn't have the railway structure that we have. So that journey, which we are not given insight into, would have taken a while. He didn't have first-class virgin tickets to take him, you know, the, what's that, the HS2 or the, the railway system in the UK that's currently being built. If anybody here is opposed to that, well, they won't open up that kind of worms, but um, you're an environmentalist, but. But when, we, when Nehemiah begins to take that journey, makes that decision, he opens up himself to God's favor, God's grace. That as we see, the king then began to write letters to the governors in the land that allowed for Nehemiah to pass through. In fact, as he went on that journey, also in those letters was written to local merchants to give him the timber needed to do the work. You know, in this next season, I not only have faith, and I, I've, I not only believe that God will give us all we need to, to do the work for this building, but I believe he will also give us the favor to, to pierce and to break through cultural mindsets that say they no longer need Jesus. Think about it. In this next season, not only will we have what we need in order to do the work, but I believe by God's grace that he will want to use you and I to pierce through a mindset that it says, I no longer want to go to that. And that's what he wants to do. That there's God's provision and God's breakthrough in this next season. You, you have to believe that. That when you begin to go on that journey that God's calling you to, whether it's in this as a community, but also in your personal life, it's not until you step out that then you begin to see the favor of God. We all want the favor of God before we step out because we go, well, that'll build my faith, God. But it's the small faith as a mustard seed that when we step out, when we don't know that Nehemiah was looking to the road ahead of him, saying every could have looked at every obstacle ahead of him. You know, the territories of the land were much more broken up into little kingdoms, if you like. That they get through not one, two, but many in between. And they would have just killed you on sight. A surgeon of the land that they would have thought, I, who's this stranger coming along? It wasn't quite like this, you know, in, in, current, in terms of current uh, hostage situations. Anyway, that's a different story. But I really believe in this next season that we will have the favor of God that as we step out, we will be able to do the good work. And this is why, in order to do this, I believe that legacy leavers also overcome opposition. You see, the story goes on to say that, listen to this, there were, there were two people groups that were deeply disturbed that a man came seeking the welfare of Israel. Do you know people are going to be deeply disturbed that you want to bring God's kingdom to your community? You know that word deeply disturbed is not I'm going to flick the channel because that really just makes me, you know, ruin my night here. The deeply disturbed word that that means, it's a, it's a spiritual, political, and moral dis disruption. Nehemiah wasn't just coming to build nice walls. He was actually coming for uh, social and political reform. Now, when we begin to look at the story, people think, oh, you know, and our graphic just has bricks on it. But Nehemiah was coming to build something 
bigger. How many of you know in this next season, we're not just here to build walls and build nice you know, things that people can come to. We are called to, to build something that will influence and, and shift the, the, the social, political, and cultural climate of our community. This is what we're called to do. But the thing is, a lot of us sit here and go, like I said, I couldn't do that. You're right, you can't. But with God's grace, we can. Because people who seek to go the distance always know and expect there's going to be opposition. Because when you make a decision to step out into what God's asking you to do, there will always be doubters. There's always going to be doubters. They'll either try to, to talk you out of what you're doing. You couldn't possibly come to Ireland. You don't want to go there. They're sarcastic in nature and rip you apart. And feed you potatoes all day long. Or they'll try to make you, they'll get in your head in a way that'll make you think you're wrong. They'll begin to go, but, you know, subtle ways through conversations. You couldn't possibly do that. You wouldn't want to do that. Remember, when you begin to disturb people's paradigms, in order to validate their own paradigm, they're going to question yours. So we have a culture and a community that is so anti-kingdom. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to question your kingdom paradigm. But we have a lot of people that want to, you know, get the approval of current culture. That's not what we're called to do. Scripture says that you will, you know, you can't serve two masters because you'll love one and hate the other. You can't have the master of the kingdom living on the inside. You want to see that reformed in our, in, our, in our community, but yet try and appease the current culture. I'm not saying we become irrelevant, but I'm also saying we don't syncretize in and, and get washed in to current culture. Because God, if God is the Lord of our lives, we just have to do what we feel he's called us to do and accept that people aren't going to always approve of what we're called to do. That when you go on that journey and you, when you've allowed God to do a holy work in you and you begin to step out into that and as people come and doubt and get deeply disturbed by what you're doing, you have to decide, you know what? I'm not going to get your approval. There is a good old saying that if you, you know, if you live by people's applause, you'll die from the criticism. You will die along the journey if you're looking for the approval of actually friends and family, of your community. You're called to be leaders, not to be led. In fact, we're not called to please everybody, but we are called to please God. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about worshiping and obeying him. In fact, this, this, this past week again, I was, I was looking through, I saw a, a news article on BBC. It was about two, two neighbours who lived on either side of the Peace Wall in Northern Ireland. I think their houses were either facing or their back gardens were facing, whatever way it was, they were directly on the either side of the Peace Wall. I can't remember exactly where it was. And they, on this article, began to talk about how the wall should come down. Now, we all know, you all know that, you know, the, the walls in Belfast, the Peace Walls actually in Northern Ireland, served a purpose through the limit of violence in Northern Ireland. But what was interesting in 2013 was the NI executive, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but they planned to remove all of the walls in Northern Ireland by a decade. It, that was one of the things that they outlined in 2023. I think it was Peter Robinson and Martin McGuinness at the time, I think they, they had announced this. 
But in 2023, a decade later, 60 walls in the north still remain. When we always, listen, there's always going to be opposition to the move. Or, in fact, there has been opposition to the removal of the walls in Northern Ireland because some have threatened the violence would break out if the walls come down. People who are still harboring bitterness, I'm not getting into a whole political spiel here, but people who harbor, how do you know, how many of you know, those who harbor the walls of bitterness inside them will always be the ones who will not want to see walls come down physically in our communities. That when a heart is divided by conflict, they will still want to keep those things that were for yesteryear and today, that we will never progress when we don't solve the walls in us and then therefore we say the walls in our country should remain. We then allow a generation who become desensitized to those walls and think it's normal. And then that's why the black taxi tours happen all across the city walls because they're like, what is this? And the rest of the world still think we're all in, you know, you know, the troubles, right? There will always be people who resist God's kingdom and who will always threaten you in some shape or form if you seek to bring about. When Nehemiah was called to build the walls, it wasn't really just for the protection of God's people, but it was also to call God's people back to obedience and the shelter of his presence. And for this next season, I really do believe that that is what we're called. We're not just called to build a building, to, to do work to a building, just so we can fill it with plenty of people, but rather we're called to call our community back to him. We want to call our people to, to come and experience God's presence. We want to call our people, our friends and our families, to get free from the sin, for all of us, the sin that lives on the inside of us. So that we can then become resourced to see the kingdom of God spread across this island. That's what we're called to do. Many times in rural communities like ourselves, we get really colloquial in thinking. That we're not just called for Dime Patrick, but we're called to see people from all over this island come to know and experience the freedom that Hannah spoke about. But like I said, some of you might be here going, I can't do that. God couldn't possibly use me. God couldn't use me the way he used Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah really wasn't this ordinary person. He was just some, you know, gifted person. You're not called to feel like it, but you are called to obey regardless. How many know your feelings make terrible masters, but the spirit is what leads you? Some of you just went, mm, yeah, I know that one. In fact, you know, Nehemiah was an ordinary man, but a lot of people, a lot of Old Testament scholars would say he was one of the greatest Old Testament leaders. But yet for me, great leaders are born out of obedience. And they last because of the grace of God. You as a leader will be born out of your obedience to God. And you only last in that journey because of the grace of God. Now you may be here thinking, I'm not a leader. I'm just a, a housewife. You are a leader in that environment. You may be here thinking, I'm not a leader. I'm just a dental nurse. You're a leader in that environment. You may be here thinking, I'm not a farmer. You're a leader more than just an, of animals. You may be here thinking, I just leave that for the, the missionaries and the people that are called to, to leave their homelands. It's more than that. Sometimes the even longer journey we have to take are the ones closest to home. 
the one closest in our communities. God's called you to lead in the spheres that you're in. God's called you to build in the spaces that he has you in. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at, you know, as the people of God, how they then began to rise up and build. We'll look at that in greater detail. We'll look at more about opposition. We'll look more at what the story of Nehemiah means for us as a community. But Nehemiah, when Nehemiah and the people of God rose to build, they did it in 52 days. They restored the walls and they restored the gates that were burned with fire in 52 days. They did something that, as we'll begin to see, many mocked, many ridiculed, that many said would be impossible. That's what you and I are. We don't know the legacy we're going to leave. We don't know the impossible things that God will do through us. But we are called to move toward that. I want to ask, are you willing to make a decision today to allow God to do a work in you? Or if he already has that, to then step out to do that. So I want to invite uh, Josh Amar back up. And there's three groups that I want to speak to this morning. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I want to give you an opportunity to, to not let just what I've said fly over your head because you're thinking of, you know, that song that's still stuck in your head. Or the Sunday lunch that you want to go to. But there's three groups I really do want to, I want to pray for. If I call out this group and you, you feel like you're part of this group, I'd, I'd actually want you to stand. Not, not everybody right now. I know you're looking for your kids, but you know. Um, but your parents, and you can do that too. But if you feel, when I read this out, that this is a group that you feel like you're part of or, or that God wants, you want God to do that in you, then I would like you to stand when I, do, when I say that. And we're going to have the ministry team don't know this. But they're going to come afterwards as, you know, end up maybe in everybody in the room standing, it doesn't really matter. But I want you to make a decision in you. It's not about doing it just publicly, but there's something that when you choose to do that in your community, that God does something in you. See, maybe you're here and you don't feel like you have something, a holy burden that God has given you. You're like, I don't have that. I'm busy. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, doing a lot. And you don't really feel like you have that holy burden that Nehemiah had. And you're here this morning, you're going, I want to ask God to break my heart for what breaks his. If that's you this morning, I want you to stand. You're like, I don't have anything. But I want God to give me something. I want him to reveal something in my community, in my families, and whatever it may be, there would be a holy burden that would, and I am telling you right now, don't do this if you don't want it. Because when he gives you it, it's like a curse. Because it changes your life. And if that's you, and you want something, him to give you a holy burden, then take the moment and stand. You might be going, your heart's going on your chest, then maybe that's a good t- time to stand. Maybe you're here and God has spoken to you about something. It might have been a while ago, a long time ago, whatever it was. Something that he spoke to you in your quiet time or in a, in a public meeting and you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and he, he revealed something that, he, that you feel he was calling you to do. 
And today you need to make a decision. Like Nehemiah says, God, send me. Here I am, send me. I've let it go. I got distracted. I got comfortable. I heard your call, God, but today I want to make another decision today to move toward that holy burden that you place in my life. If that's you and you want to recommit, I want you to stand. God doesn't condemn you for that. He always is willing to recommission those who were out of commission. Some of you may be here and you feel like a, an old machine in a factory that you're, you're busted and your days are done. But can I tell you something? That's not what God's about. And if you feel like that, and you want God to send you to put a new fire in your belly to to recommission you when you felt like you were out of commission, then please stand. Or maybe you're here and you're on that journey, but you feel like there's been opposition to everywhere you go. Opposition and through people, opposition through provision. That you're on that journey that Nehemiah was and you're stuck and you need God to come and to bring breakthrough in your situation I'd encourage you to stand as well that's good and if there's another thing that you're going man I didn't stand for then you can continue to do that it's never too late I just want to pray for those who stood. These guys are going to play a song behind us. And our ministry team, if you're about, if you are standing and you are the ministry team, by the way, just stay there and be received this morning, all right? Because like Nehemiah, every single one of you are called. Every single one of you, you will have doubts in your head. You will be doing the boxing match in your mind that says, God hasn't called me. I'm an ordinary nobody. But can I tell you something? I was an ordinary nobody, still am. We all are. But it's when God touches our lives and does something in us that we realize he's in the business of using ordinary people to do an extraordinary work. So Father, I just pray right now, if you want to close your eyes if you're standing, if you're around, put, stretch out a hand on these guys, I just want to pray and you receive this morning. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come you know exactly every situation. Lord, I pray for those who right now want you to do a holy work on the inside of them. Holy Spirit, would you come and give them a holy burden for your good work, for a good work and purpose that you've called them and built them for, for this life, that they know there is more, that they're built for more, that their situation and their circumstances are not satisfying them. God, I pray right now, would you come, Holy Spirit, and touch their hearts this morning. Would you come, Holy Spirit, right now, as they let you do this work in them, that they would lower the walls within their hearts, God, and you would do a work on the inside of them right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. A fresh touch of your fire, Lord, that brands their heart for your good work. God, for those who 
have already heard, God, that you're beginning to, to recommission them. You've called them already to do something. Those in the room, God, that you spoke too long ago or you've spoke recently, God, but they're saying, here I am, send me. God, I pray right now, would you send them? Father, would you come and would you send them by the power of your Holy Spirit into the harvest field, into the spheres and the influences that you have them in? Father, right now, would you come and would you shift fear in their lives, discouragement, loneliness? God, I pray right now that they would experience you in a way. There would be a pivoting moment on the journey. God, right now, come, Lord. Fill them afresh with your power. Touch their mind. Set them free. Remind them of what you spoke so clearly again. Would you speak it fresh again, Lord? And Lord, for those who feel stuck in opposition from people, that they're feeling ridiculed, that they're feeling oppression from all sides, spiritually and socially, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring freedom? Would you make a way, God, by your favor, they would have favor through governors to be able to move forward that they would get provision of materials or the very thing they need to move forward and what you've called, Lord, I pray right now would they experience that grace, your grace, Lord. That if they need to accept that others are going to disapprove, Lord, I pray right now, would you give them the internal significance to know that they can do that. Father, I pray as a people, that we wouldn't become or stay lack, lackluster in our faith and our boldness to step into this next season that you have for us, God. That you have not called us just to build a physical building, but God, you've called us to call our people back. So right now, we call to our communities, come back to Jesus. Father, we speak into culture right now that believe you're irrelevant, but God, you are the answer to their situation, to their circumstances, to their mental health issues. Father, I pray right now that when they lean into a fad and something that just tickles their ears for a moment but never brings lasting freedom, you're here to bring lasting freedom, Lord. Would you come, Holy Spirit, into our lives in a fresh way, Lord, that we, only by your grace, that regardless of the influence and the power that we may be in positions, God, like Nehemiah, we would know that only with God is this possible. So we invite you, God, only with you it's possible. We invite you into our situations, our circumstances, God. And I just pray, would you come, Holy Spirit, in your power, 